From the Museum of Science in Boston, this is Pulsar, a podcast where experts answer questions from you, our audience. I am your host, Pablo Berenescoto, and today we are answering some of the questions that we have received about invertebrates. To dive into the world of invertebrates, we are talking to Corey Brandt, the museum's invertebrate keeper. Corey takes care of roughly 70 species of invertebrates, including spiders, tarantulas, millipedes, cockroaches, ants, stick insects, beetles, and of course, our lovely butterflies. Corey, welcome to Pulsar. Thanks for having me. So most of the museum's invertebrates are located at the Butterfly Garden. And one of my favorite parts about the Butterfly Garden is that you can see our staff at work feeding the animals, taking care of their enclosures, and taking care of the plants. But there's a whole lot more happening behind the scenes. What else is going on? Oh man, that's a great question. Besides for just basic stuff like cleaning and diets, we breed about 13 of our species here at the museum. So that involves taking care of a range of different stages. Inverts can go through different metamorphoses. So Each stage requires a different type of care. We also do training. So just like how you train your dog to sit or how you train an owl to fly, we actually train some of our invertebrates. The one vertebrate that I'm working with right now is our sunburst diving beetle. And I am training them to respond to a sound, come to a target. And the end goal is that they will enter into a container so I can remove them from the enclosure and do a full enclosure clean without having to worry about them getting under whatever I'm doing or getting sucked up by a hose. So this way, instead of having to individually grab each one, they'll all nicely enter my container and I'll move them. Wow, that's really interesting. I didn't know that you could train an invertebrate. And now that you mentioned keeping animals healthy, how do you make sure that our invertebrates stay healthy? Our invertebrates, which a lot of people don't know, also get vet care. Two months ago, we had a tarantula that was dehydrated. Vets came up and consulted and we talked about it and we came up with a plan on how to fix it. So I think that's one thing a lot of people don't know. We take weights on our invertebrates. We document their health throughout the year and our vet team is awesome and they're coming up and helping us as well. We also do enrichment with our animals. So enrichment is a form of welfare for animals You're providing extra stimulus into an animal's environment. So they're using their senses and they're performing behaviors that they would out in the wild and to keep their minds active. Our newest enrichment, I have a grass flat that's about three inches deep of dirt and just grass growing on top. And I take our inverts out of their enclosure, put them onto the grass flat. And for about 30 minutes to an hour, they just get to explore They get to dig down. It's new smells. It's new textures that they've never had before. So we always want to be keeping our animals stimulated. So clearly you are quite fond of these animals, but lots of people out there don't like invertebrates a whole lot. I am thinking in particular of animals like cockroaches, wasps, spiders, scorpions, millipedes. Why do you like invertebrates so, so much? Well, my first response to that question is always, what is not interesting about them? Every aspect of them is interesting from their coloration to how they've adapted to live in their environment. They also make up 97% of the animals on our planet. There's 1.2 million documented invertebrate species. And that's just the tipping point. 
I mean, scientists think there are still millions to discover. So if you want to discover a brand new species, invertebrates, that's where you are. Probably invertebrates at the deep bottom of the ocean, but invertebrates it is. And I think that insects and invertebrates kind of get this bad reputation or this gross reputation is a big part of it is what we pass down to kids. Pablo, I know that you've heard this one before, being in the butterfly garden, of a family walks up to the Madagascar hissing cockroaches, and I've heard this happen so many times. And you have a kid who's under four years old, and they go, oh my gosh, this is so cool. These are awesome. And the parent goes, ew, that's disgusting. Those are gross. And the kid immediately turns and goes, oh yeah, these are disgusting. Those are gross. So I think a big part of the reason that people are scared of invertebrates and dislike insects is just that we've been raised that way. Like we've been told these things are gross. Absolutely. I have seen this happening several times, and I must say that I am always fond of the grown-ups who kind of just go with it and encourage their kids to continue exploring, even though they are totally grossed out. And Corey, lots of these animals that you love are not doing so well. I am thinking more specifically of insects, which are those invertebrates with six legs and three body parts. They include some of the critters that people actually like and depend on, like bees, beetles, butterflies. What is happening to these animals? It's a great question. The biggest one is habitat change or destruction. A lot of our insects rely on native plants. And as soon as those areas are gone, they have no more habitat. So about 50% of the studies that are done on insect population decline indicate that habitat change and destruction is the main reason. And the other big one is climate change. Insects are ectotherms, so they require the environment to help regulate their body temperature. So if an insect needs to get warmer, it'll go into the sun. If it needs to get cooler, it goes into the shade. That's a very basic way of understanding it. But if you think of it on a larger scheme, in an ecosystem, if the temperature gets too hot, they can't regulate their body temperature, so they can't cool off. And if it's too cold, they actually pretty much just stop moving and eventually can't live anymore. So at current predicted rates, which is our planet temperature raising by two degrees, we're going to lose 18% of our insect population by 2100. If this keeps increasing even more, so if we go up by 3.2 degrees, which again sounds just like nothing, we could lose 49% of our insect population. And... Why are insects so important in our day-to-day -day life? So that's a great question. One of the big reasons is that they are a primary food source for so many animals across our entire planet, but they're also so important for us. One third of our crops are pollinated by insects. That's a huge portion of our food. They're kind of like this invisible workforce that we don't really see, but they do so much for our economy. $57 billion insects contribute to just the U.S. economy alone through pollination and through pest control. So with those declining, the way that we as humans eat is going to have to completely change if we don't help our insects keep the population up. And before we end today's show, I know that you always get excited about the ways in which scientists use insects for medical purposes. Can you give us an example? One of my favorite ones, which once I tell you, you can't unhear it, 
is um, maggot therapy. Oh no, tell me more. <laughs> it is um, where you take disinfected maggots and you put it on soft tissue that has decaying skin or tissue and they eat up all the necrotic tissue and then you remove them. <laughs> and this is a real procedure used in medicine today. Oh yeah, and now you can't unhear it. Well, and on that note, um, Corey, thank you so much for taking the time to answer some questions. Thanks for having me. And thank you to our listeners. If you would like to have one of your questions answered by a visiting expert or a museum educator, please email them to sciencequestions at mos.org. And if you enjoyed this episode of Pulsar, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcasting app. Finally, please visit www.mos.org slash science matters to support MOS at home. That's it for today's episode of Pulsar. Join us again soon.